0: Oh, gee, I forgot I'm wearing the You know you know what? No. If you don't know what this shirt is, Google it. It's a good show. I'm not even ashamed. It's time for another critique. Today we're talking about vampire or vampire. I'm gonna be honest. I've tried to find the definitive way of saying it. I think it's vampire. It's a Y. I'm gonna assume that's right because that's just what I'm gonna do, so. Let's get into it. Vampire as a game started with a singular concept that's at the heart of everything that they chose to do in the game. And that idea was that you are playing as a vampire who has the thirst, who's hungry for blood and needs it in order to progress up so the blood that you consume is directly tied to the xp that you gain pretty standard for a vampire game of this sort where they changed it though is now if you want to level up you have to make conscious moral decisions on who to embrace and whose blood to consume and if you want to play morally and not consume anybody's blood who is innocent you're not going to be anywhere near as highly leveled as the people that are playing very immorally and just consume everything everybody's blood and they tie this into a city system so the more people that die and that you embrace and consume their blood the worse that district of the city gets and in theory as the game progresses all of london could collapse or if you're playing morally london will thrive because everybody's getting healthier you're playing as a doctor so you can actually give them medicine and things to help them improve their health it's a really interesting concept and when i first heard it i was really excited i'll be perfectly honest However, after the initial announcement, it started to seem like there were some developmental issues. Don't Nod was putting out weird press releases and blog releases on the game, eventually, delaying it from November of 2017 to spring of 2018, and then delaying it again into the summer of 2018 when it eventually released. What was even further disconcerting was the fact that once I got the game, popped it in, in the first five minutes of the game running, I ran into a game breaking glitch where I had to uninstall install the game fully and reinstall it onto the PS4 just to be able to boot it up again. Now, of course, there's been a lot of great games who have had technical issues at launch. Skyrim had a ton of issues at launch and still technically does. And The Witcher 3 also had all sorts of issues at launch with the graphics and with Roach who was a nightmare at the time but the key was that the underlying game was so good that people were willing to forgive it they were willing to look past all the technical issues forgive the developer for them to the point where now people don't think of glitches when they think of the witcher 3 they think of the vast expansive and incredible game and in fact CD Projekt Red even leaned into the meme of all of the glitches with Roach, even making a Gwent card out of it. Point being, your game is not initially screwed if there's technical issues. However, if they continue, or if they're so widespread that the game is unplayable, you end up with a Mass Effect Andromeda situation where people are going to try to play the game but they can't get into it or get through it because of these issues. And usually these technical issues are a direct reflection of the game's development process. Either it was rushed, meaning that they couldn't polish it enough by the time they got it out or it was developed over such a long period of time that they couldn't get all the pieces working together the way that they wanted or it was simply too ambitious for the team that they had and they didn't have the infrastructure or the resources or the funds necessary to realize the vision so they end up scrapping together a bunch of broken pieces taping it together with duct tape hoping that it works well enough for people to enjoy it And I think that Vampyr fits into the latter category. This game is the most clear example of something that was restrained by its ambition that I've come across in recent memory. Of course, my critique of Assassin's Creed III was titled Restrained by Ambition. Basically, the idea is that these games have such broad, vast ideas of things that they wanna do, but they don't have the resources to do it, or they don't have the technological ability to do it yet. And so you end up with something that's got grand visions of what it wants to be but can't quite get there so you end up with sort of a hodgepodged mess that's kind of where vampire fits in it wanted to do so much but for one reason or another they just didn't have the resources or the ability or the money or the talent to do it well so you end up with sort of a a shell sort of signaling what the game could have been which for a lot of players makes you want to keep playing it hoping that you eventually stumble into what the game could be but it just never happens and you end up playing the game wishing things were different and those things that we wish were different are going to be the topic of this entire video pretty much so that's the end of the intro if you're interested if you want to give it a shot pick up the game i recommend 20 bucks or less don't bother spending more than that Try it out, play it. You'll have fun as long as you expect a $20 experience. If you expect anything more, you're going to be disappointed. But with all that said, we're going to get into the narrative. We're going to get into the gameplay more specifically. So strap in. Now I wanna start out with some positives because there are some things that this game does really, really well. And I don't want that to get lost in the shuffle of, everything sucks and this game's terrible. I don't want you to think that the game has problems, sure, but it still does some things very, very well. Firstly, just the ambience the way that they structured the world is utterly fascinating the streets are winding and confusing just like you would expect early 1900s london to be and especially when the plague comes in everybody's getting sick the spanish flu is taking over the city you would expect things to be kind of chaotic barriers put up everywhere everybody's coughing and scared and sick and the dialogue tends to reflect this very very well even though there's some cringy lines here and there in general it's believable enough and you do feel as though you're in the world that they're trying to put you into and the other thing that they did really well which i already expressed was the initial idea it's fascinating and in some parts especially early on in the game when they're first introducing you to the idea it blows your brain and all of a sudden all of these choices are coming in because you're meeting these characters who seem to be very integral to the story and they are at least in that moment and they tell you you will eventually be able to consume this person to be able to take their blood killing them removing them from the story or you can leave them they can continue doing your thing your time in the game is just going to become more difficult and that initial spark that curiosity where your brain starts thinking how is this going to work is this going to actually be what it seems to be what can I do with this can I go here and do this can I do that and do this that's what makes RPGs and games like this so fascinating and fun to play is just the idea of limitless possibilities but that's about where all of the pros End. As I mentioned earlier, technical issues are rampant in the form of frame drops, glitch textures, characters popping in and out of existence. In some cases, enemy NPCs not even loading visually, so you're just being attacked from all sides and you're not able to even see who's doing it or what you should do about it. Furthermore, it's still in the realm of technical issues, even though I don't think it qualifies quite as a glitch, loading screens are. Everywhere in this game. While you're exploring one level, you'll run into several loading screens, in some cases 10 to 15 seconds apart from each other, that each take three to five seconds to load. So you're running from destination A to destination B, and the game's streaming data system is so clunky and clogged up that it needs two, three, four loading screens just to get you there, which in 2002 might be acceptable, you know, okay, yeah, it's high resolution, high definition, yeah, take your time loading it in 2019 or 2018 rather when this game launched, that's just unacceptable in my opinion. It's especially unacceptable because the levels aren't very big and you can tell part of the reason that the map is designed the way it is in a fairly small way, but with a bunch of tight corners and interlocking streets that have locked gates that keep you from going from point A to point B even though there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to do so the way they designed it is clearly because they're trying to slow the player down to make sure that the streaming system has time to load everything in again this isn't new this isn't strange for video games the arkham games did this all the time remember when batman would just walk away talking to barbara or to gordon on his little earpiece while he's doing that he's just walking slowly and it's usually in a corridor or something during that time the game was loading the next section but they put something there so that it's interesting and engaging so you aren't just sitting there with a loading logo sitting there they actually put some effort into it and those games came out in some cases the original batman arkham asylum came out in 2009 nine years before this game. I get that it's a double-A title. I get it doesn't have the budget of the Arkham games, but still, at least in terms of scope and technological resources available, this should have been fixed. And there's a lot of other issues that are, I would argue, still technical. They aren't really game design issues. For instance, look at Jonathan Reed's running animation what the heck is it like what is is he running with a bicycle rod shoved up his butt like is this Caitlyn Jenner after the surgery I don't know what this is who runs like this I you get used to it I got used to it after like 15 hours of gameplay but it still looks ridiculous furthermore it's also important to remember that this game was developed by don't nod the same guys that were behind the life is strange series and all of those subsequent spin-offs And so it shouldn't come as any surprise that the lip syncing in this game is utterly atrocious. Again, you get used to it after about 10 hours, but it's not in the same vein as Life is Strange where the art style sort of allows you to get away with it where we look at it and it's like, well, it's kind of oil painting and it's endearing. It doesn't have to be lifelike. In this they're going for a much more realistic tone and it just looks like they're puppets they don't look like actual people when they're talking and especially with some of the moments that they put in here in the cinematics they really try to lean into heavy emotion and when the characters mouths are just going it's not it doesn't work it just doesn't work i mean one of the beautiful things about game design is that you can cover up when you have a small budget you can cover up a lot of that with things like your art style. So for instance, with Breath of the Wild, they had to put it on a smaller and weaker device. So they knew they were developing it for the Wii U, and then they ported it to the Nintendo Switch later on in development. But they knew once they were developing for the Wii U, that platform was not going to be as strong as the PS4 or the PC. They had to develop it for a weaker system, So they chose an art style, which allows them to use simplified textures, which allows them to stream data in a much easier and simplified way. And it worked. The art style served the technological needs of the game and they married each other perfectly and it created one of the best games of all time, at least in my opinion. With Vampyr, They didn't bother doing that. Yes, it has an art style and it's still sort of the watercolor painting style, but it's not to the point where it needed to be. They should have leaned heavily into it, in my opinion, and tried to recreate the same life is strange art style, because at least then that would excuse some of the technical issues. It might improve overall load times and it would excuse the lip syncing garbage that is rampant. All over the place in this game. As for combat, they put a lot of focus on this in the original trailers and then also in subsequent trailers and announcements and press releases. And it's quite clear because that's the primary gameplay mechanic within the game. It's not like Life is Strange, their previous title, where you're primarily talking with people and it's those decisions that act as the gameplay along with some puzzle sections. Rather here, you are talking with people to improve your overall stats so that you become better at combat and those combat sequences become easier, at least in theory. And This ties in with the difficulty of the game, something that is directly tied with how the narrative is structured with the choices that you make. Whether you choose to kill somebody to absorb their blood and in turn get more XP to level up to make the combat easier, you have to have the game balanced in such a way where you feel both conflicted as to whether or not you should do that, but not doing it and choosing to pass on that victim in particular you can still go and have a good time, enjoy yourself, and the game feels fair. I've said it before and I'll say it again, as have many other reviewers and critics and game designers uh, throughout the ages, difficult games are great and they're fun and they're entertaining for many, many people, but only in so far as the difficulty feels fair. So every time that you get punished, As a player, it's because you deserved it. Every time my character dies as a result of a combat sequence, it's because I messed up, not because the game glitched out or because the animations were clunky or the hitbox was acting funny or the frames dropped. The second that those things leak in, all of a sudden it's not fun. It's not challenging yourself to get better at this system. Instead, it's fighting with this weird amorphous blob that is the game and trying to make it subservient to you when in reality it should never enter into your thought process. Again, technology is at its best when it's invisible. The game should be a separate entity. You're playing the game. You're not wrestling with the code of the game. And this I think is the fatal flaw with Vampire: is that the combat while initially interesting and it seems like there might be some potential it never really goes anywhere you get to customize weapons you collect different items throughout the world by looting certain objects dressers drawers that sort of thing and then you can craft upgrades to the weapons and it works well enough it's not fully fleshed out but at least it's there but as you progress through the game a lot of the combat encounters are going to be much more reliant on your extraneous abilities such as your vampiric abilities rather than just your pure melee stat and there's a reason that the melee stats are capped fairly low compared to the damage output you can achieve with some of these vampiric abilities the problem being these vampiric abilities can't be used without blood now you can use enemies in these encounters to beat down their stun meter and then once that stun meter has gone to zero you can then bite them and absorb some of the blood from there for minor xp boosts and then for immediate use on your vampiric abilities the issue being that every time that you beat somebody's stun meter down it becomes more difficult to beat it down again again that helps balance the abuse of the stun meter but it still Causes issue with the people who want to take the peaceful route and not bite anybody. And I will just say there does seem to be a slight lack of communication on the part of the developer where they say that you don't want to bite anybody else if you can help it to maintain all of your humanity. But once you enter into a combat sequence, that goes out the window. So if you're fighting a humanoid in a combat sequence, you can bite them if you reduce their stun meter and it doesn't have any impact on the story, at least as far as I can tell. Rather, it's only the moments when you choose to embrace somebody, killing them and absorbing their blood that there's any real issue. And I wouldn't have thought this was an issue, at least not until I spoke to a buddy of mine who had also been playing the game and he wasn't even biting people in combat because he thought that that was going to have detrimental effects to the story Because after all, they told him, if you want to maintain your humanity, you need to not bite anybody, do not indulge your vampiric sensibilities. So he didn't, meaning that he effectively couldn't ever use his vampiric abilities, fundamentally breaking the combat system that they had built. Expectedly, he raged quit the game after about 10 to 15 hours roughly because the system was so horribly unbalanced once you took out the blood absorption and all of the vampiric abilities. And this is where the real issue of vampire lies is that the game is not built for you to play it in a moral way. Clearly, the game is built for you to do a little bit of bad and a little bit of good, to be in the gray middle or to just be full on bad. And after testing the game extensively over the last couple months, i found that I tend to have way more fun when I am just going around killing everybody, becoming as powerful as possible and saying screw it to the story and all of the implications that come along with it. Now, don't get me wrong. I do not envy in the slightest the individual who had to balance this game. It must've been an absolute nightmare. After all, how do you balance a game like this? Like, do you make it so it's balanced around playing the neutral middle where you only eat some people's blood, but not other people, where you only go after the mean people and spare the nice people? Or do you balance it off of being moral and then everything else gets increasingly easy what do you do how do you balance it and to be honest i don't think that they figured out a clear way of doing it i can't decipher where they precisely want you to play it just seems like the game is an unbalanced mess that expects you to go and play immorally absorbing all of this blood gaining xp hitting level 40 50 whatever in order to get through some of the later stages and that to me just seems Lazy. Again, kind of like with the technical issues, just because something is difficult or maybe expensive doesn't give a developer the right to just say screw it and avoid doing it all together. And that's unfortunately what seems to have happened here. I mean, further evidence of the technical issues and the fact that they didn't bother trying to balance the game and the areas that you're within the combat AI is so crappy that it's limited by region. So if I encounter an individual on a particular street and I feel overwhelmed, I can just walk past a specific line in the sand, effectively just two posts where you can tell the map joined together, and then once I pass that point, I'm invisible to the enemies, and they'll turn around, stop attacking, and just walk back to where they were. I cross that line one more step, they come back, I step back out, they go back in uh again i don't know how you release a game in 2018 as this game was in this state it just seems unacceptable if i can abuse the ai system that heavily why would i take it seriously any immersion i had in the world is gone at that point now either they did this because the streaming system as we discussed earlier was so broken that they couldn't have multiple characters or 10 15 characters all in the same area it would just overload the ai system or perhaps it was just because they didn't want to balance it so that you would have to be able to go and navigate the levels accordingly with people chasing you or in that case they'd have to build hiding spots for you or areas for you to go and avoid them and and avoid their line of sight without just crossing an arbitrary line but not everything with regards to combat encounters seems so clunky or lacking in heart and soul if anything the bosses Show some real passion that they put into it. Most of these have unique character builds, they have unique stats, and they have a specific cutscene and a story behind them that's really interesting. You can tell there's real passion here. For instance, in this chapter three encounter where you find your sister, she comes out and this beautiful cutscene plays, forgive the lack of lip sync, where Mary is talking with your mother and you, saying you caused all this misery and all of this, and I'm crazy, blah blah blah, kind of standard affair with vampire games. And then once the fight starts, there's not only a priest that you encountered earlier in the game laying down on the floor, you can choose to bite him for some quick blood regen and health boost, or you can avoid biting him, in which case your sister will, which will refill her heart meter at some point in the fight, which makes it far more difficult if you choose to take the moral path. Again, it's a small detail, but it's reflective of the overarching theme of the game. Being moral is tough, being immoral is easy. And as the fight goes on, there's all of this rose imagery which is utterly beautiful. And furthermore, at least to me, it seems like this is symbolic of the rose that her mother placed on her grave when she initially perished. And she actually takes the wooden cross out of her grave and uses that as the weapon for the rest of the sequence. It's really beautiful and it gives you a glimpse as to what the game could have been. Again, like this seemed like a setup for a boss fight similar to the Caretaker in the Witcher 3 Hearts of Stone DLC. It seems like something CD Projekt Red would do where it's set up in this really beautiful and simple way with a a backstory to it. You feel for the character that you're fighting And there's all of the symbolism in terms of how the character fights, reflective of their personality and their experience. But that's about where it ends with vampire. In CD Projekt Red, that's throughout the whole game. With this, it just stops there and it's heartbreaking. We land with a game that has a couple of really cool moments where you can tell that they put all of their passion into and then everything else was just thrown together, whether that's because they didn't have enough money or enough time or enough manpower, who can say, but it doesn't change the end story the the lasting impact which is that the game just wasn't done it wasn't finished and it wasn't what it could have been now as for overarching impact of the decisions that you make there are some lasting impressions and over the course of the game i believe according to my research there's about four endings that you can encounter one is for being perfectly pacifistic not killing anybody that's the best ending there's a good ending where you've only killed a few people there's a bad ending where you killed a significant number of people several districts became overrun with the, the spanish flu and everything's starting to turn terrible and jonathan bought into being a vampire he was really powerful by the end of the game blah 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 and then there's the worst ending where you basically killed everybody and jonathan is a monster i'll be honest it's a little disappointing because all that really changes is the last 45 seconds or so in a cutscene at the end of the game and then the game just stops there's not much beyond that other than small incidental stuff when you're exploring the map for instance certain areas will be more overrun by these infected individuals but nonetheless there are changes that are taken into account and again this is a double a title we wouldn't expect it to have 15 different endings and i I'm okay with where it sits in terms of branching narratives and effect on the world and you gotta hand it to them they really do let you go after pretty much anybody that you want if you get to the end of the game and you want to embrace one of the people that's been helping you along throughout the whole story you can do that even if it screws over everything they will let you do that and I gotta give it to them not many games have the balls to do it usually because it's really difficult but they still let you do it but with all this said about the gameplay stuff let's slide into more of the narrative discussion and talk about that for a few minutes now, don't not put a lot of emphasis on the narrative when they were initially selling Vampire to the masses, and understandably so, especially given what the game was advertised as being a narrative RPG experience where every single character in the world has a story to tell and you will make moral decisions based off of those characters. So ideally, you're not just choosing who to embrace and consume their blood based off of gameplay practicality, but you're also making that decision based off of their place in the narrative, how you feel emotionally in terms of attachment to them, all of the stakes will be risen as a result of those attachments that you feel because the people are real because the writing hopefully is that good. However, a lot of the things that they do, especially early on in the game are fairly clunky and don't serve this purpose whatsoever. The game opens with Jonathan Reed, the player character, coming back to London, having been bitten and turned into a vampire the game comes up with him laying in a a passed out stupor very confused seemingly right after he's turned into a vampire when his sister mary finds him he turns bites her kills her is terrified and horrified by what he's done and then people come over see what he did and start chasing him you eventually run away and you vow to figure out who did this and who caused you to turn into a vampire a couple of the narrative beats make a lot of sense like jonathan obviously freaked out by all of this he decides that he's going to end it all he takes a revolver and he puts it on his heart shoots and then you wake up the next day and everything's fine and that makes sense to me because that's what i think a lot of characters would do if they lost control killed their sister for no apparent reason can't figure out what's going on you just want to get away from it all so they end it he can't end it all of course because he's a vampire so he chooses to go and figure out who's done this and who's behind it all but there's two things about this setup and the the opening to this game that became immediately clear when i was playing through it first of all Jonathan Reed is a doctor who served in World War One. That's his whole backstory and it's referenced constantly that he's a doctor and that he served in the war but we never get to see any of it there's no real cutscenes where we get to see him in action there's no alternative to the established ambiance so there's never any break you don't get to see where he came from when life was good or before everything went to hell and i know what you're thinking maybe this is just they committed to the ambiance and to the the feeling and the emotion that they had in the core game and they didn't want to cross that and go back and show something else but i would say that that Isn't necessary at all. If you look at really dark movies such as Sweeney Todd, one of my favorite films, in that film, there's still a bright moment early on where you get to see Benjamin Barker before he was hauled off thanks to Judge Turpin, and you see his life while it was still good and happy and whole so you know what he's lost and it's represented visually where you can see the color versus the lack of color you can see the contrast the blacks versus the whites you can see all of these visual changes that evoke an emotion also in the viewer there's no reason they couldn't have done that same thing with vampire furthermore the game also starts going at 100 miles an hour it immediately starts with jonathan reed killing his sister and being in an absolute state of mental torment we don't get to ease into this or see what his life was like before it we're immediately thrown into it and to be perfectly honest the way that they write jonathan in these early hours perhaps it's just me but at least in terms of how i felt and the people that i've spoken to who also played it He's not particularly relatable, the only thing we really know about him is that he's a doctor, he was a soldier and did something in World War One, and that he also just murdered his sister. We don't have anything to relate to, he's just a dude who's tall who runs in a weird way and has a nice accent. Honestly, I think Vampire could have really benefited from a drawn out opening, even if they just took an hour to set up the characters, maybe with some longer cutscenes, take your time with it, establish the characters. If people are playing Vampire for narrative reasons, as is likely the case according to the marketing campaign that you guys put out, they're likely going to be willing to sit through an hour prologue in terms of setting up the characters and the world just take your time with it. You don't need to rush into it, especially when the gameplay that you're rushing to isn't that strong to begin with. Another issue with the narrative is that within the world on a micro and macro level at the same time, it just doesn't work the way that you can tell they wanted it to work. They wanted it to feel as though each character was connected to all of the other characters and when you would remove one, there would be a gaping hole and everybody would react to it. However, It doesn't end up feeling that way if you take one person out it doesn't leave a hole socially yes in terms of gameplay effect if they were running a store yeah their store goes out of business or it shuts down or becomes dilapidated But other than that, there's not a whole lot. You don't feel an emotional tie to the characters in the way that they likely wanted you to. As for why this is, I think a lot of it has to do with how the individual lines are written. Very few of the characters have an interest in you as the player or as Jonathan. They're more interested in their own selfish desires, which is understandable. It's in the middle of the Spanish freaking flu. So understandably, they're going to be obsessed with who is going to take care of them, what they're going to do, how they're going to feed themselves or their family, how they're going to kick this sickness and this nasty cough, which has been sticking around. They're interested in themselves. But when you're playing a game, that only goes so far. And when the player is going and interacting with these people, they just end up asking themselves, okay, you're self-interested. What can i get out of you that's going to help me other than just blood if i were to embrace you and usually you can find a little bit of something here and there maybe an item or they'll have a side quest that you can go on that gives you some crafting parts but beyond that there's not a whole lot but this sums up very well my emotions and feelings towards vampire and that's simply that there's so much potential in this initial idea, the way they structured everything, the way they set it up, it really could have been something special. And I was hoping that it would be that something special, but it's just, practically, it's just not done well. Whether that's because they didn't have a big enough budget or they had technical issues or they didn't have a big enough team, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter because the point is still the same. It just isn't done very well. I mean, you can have a billion dollar idea But if you do it in a crappy way, it's not going to succeed, it's not going to become a billion dollar idea. It might be a million dollar idea, but it's never going to reach its potential. And I think that's the real tragedy of Vampyr is that they really could have made it a standout title that changed people's perspectives on what AA titles could be. But instead of being a ground shaker and mover and revitalizing the AA industry, they just kinda of showed all the problems with AA games, which is that they have the ambition of a AAA game, but they don't have the asset or ability that a AAA studio does, so they end up promising a lot and under-delivering. But still, at the end of the day, if you are walking through GameStop or if you're going through the PlayStation Store or Steam or whatever, and you encounter Vampire for 20 bucks or less, I would still say give it a shot if you're a fan of these types of games and if everything i've told you over the course of this video has prodded a little bit of curiosity in you give it a shot my biggest issue is that when you go into it expecting a larger experience or expecting the experience that they promised or advertised you're going to be grossly disappointed but if you expect a sort of kitschy clunkily put together game that has some cool ideas and elements it just doesn't work very well you can still have a lot of fun with it. You just have to have your expectations in check. But that's all for me. Thank you for watching. Honestly and truly, I love you all. As always, if you have thoughts, leave them down in the comment section below. I will be reading through all of them. And if you have any games you'd like to see me critique in the future, make sure to leave those down below as well. But thank you for watching. I love you all. And I'll see you in the next video.